Welcome to Full Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Aaron Brown, the CEO of Shopify Logistics. Shopify is a platform we all know and interact with on a continuous basis. But one of the things that Shopify has been doing is building out a logistics network to really empower the merchants that are part of their platform. With me today is Aaron Brown. We're going to talk about this and really dive into how Shopify hopes to disrupt the supply chain industry and empower e-commerce. Aaron, welcome. Thanks, Craig. It's uh, great for you to have me. I've been looking forward to this chat for a while and a big fan of uh, of this podcast. I appreciate that you having the opportunity to tell us a little bit about what Shopify is up to. So many things have happened over the past couple of years with the disruptions with COVID, really the awareness around supply chain challenges and all of the sort of backdrop of the COVID economy and then the collapse in uh, inventory levels and then all of a sudden the surge in inventory levels. What has that experience been like for you as a someone running one of the largest logistics networks in the market? I mean, it's uh, it's been super tough. We, we tried to have the highest amount of merchant empathy of any platform or company in the world. And so Every day we meet our merchants where they are at, and I can't imagine a more thrashy last 12 months or 18 months for merchants. So as you say, first COVID comes, and in a sense, that's a real opportunity for D2C merchants who all of a sudden see unprecedented demand, and that's a great problem to have, but creates a lot of stress for you know a small business that might have one, two, six employees. And then a lot of these merchants then start saying, okay, how do I pre-buy, get as much inventory as I can, get things going, which then creates a backlog, which increases price. And then, you know, the last six, eight, 12 months, we've seen a lot of uh, headwinds for the average merchant, whether it be uh, how advertising works on the internet, generally speaking, impacting their demand, uh, taking a lot of that demand and pre-purchase, bulk purchase of inventory and having that sit there. And then all of a sudden start seeing you know, a lot of pretty tough macroeconomic headwinds. And so, you know, our job as a company is to use our technology and our, uh, you know, the size of our merchant base to provide unfair advantages to the smallest and largest merchants of the world. But man, oh man, a lot of these merchants have had a tough uh, past, past couple quarters. So I imagine that supply chain was a concept with logistics, the concept that every merchant, particularly small businesses, have always been thinking about but probably felt like it was a utility prior to the COVID disruptions. How did that change among the conversations and just the interest level with your, you know, the Shopify Logistics Network? What has really changed since COVID? I always think of, um, for merchants, you know, logistics kind of like the silent killer. It's like the cholesterol of, uh, of retail. A lot of merchants will spend a lot of their focus and energy thinking about how they perfect advertising or how they perfect, you know, their pricing or their imagery or how they expand the channels. And then they just kind of plot along with however they've done, you know, logistics and supply chain in the past. And it ends up taking more and more of their time while they kind of fall behind status quo of what the best retailers are doing. And so I think that's as true today as it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But when COVID happened, then all of a sudden the stakes were higher. You could really understand the merchants who had pre-invested in having a great supply chain and integrating that supply chain into their buyer experience. And you can see the merchants that didn't. And so our job as COVID came was to basically figure out simple ways to onboard merchants to help more merchants kind of upgrade and mature their approach to having an end-to-end supply chain. 
Yeah, I often say that logistics is like the utility company. Nobody thinks about it until the power's out uh, or they're paying the bill. And that's sort of how logistics was thought of prior to COVID. Now, it's interesting how much elevation the concept of what a supply chain is, how it works. Everyone all of a sudden became an expert at supply chains. Like we also became viral experts and political experts and now economic experts. It's funny how it has now become a primary part of the way people do business or think about business. In terms of long lasting effects in a post COVID economy, how is that playing out among your merchants? First, I'll, I'll just kind of react to your statement or your utility metaphor. I, I couldn't agree more. I actually think that, you know, you could describe merchants in one of two buckets. Bucket one is merchants who think of logistics as uh, a cost driver to their business. So their only goal with logistics and supply chain is how do I take a penny out of the cost? If I can figure out how to take a penny out of the cost today, it's a good day. And tomorrow I'll get up and I'll take another penny out. And, you know, over time, merchants can be effective with that. And they can learn how to get their their costs to serve or fulfill an order down consistently quarter over quarter. But I think what's happened over the last three years is there's another group of merchants, and they can be large or small merchants of all sizes, who say, no, I'm, I'm not going to fall for that trap. I'm not going to think of supply chain and logistics as a cost driver. I'm going to think of it as a value driver. And logistics is a way for me to help a new cust- get a new customer, help convert a sale, help grow my current size from $50 to $100 or $100 to $200, uh, help decrease the odds that I get a return, um, help you know increase my checkout cart conversion rate, and help get a repeat buyer. And logistics all of a sudden becomes a tool to do all of those things. And of course, the best merchants are ones who can do all of that and then also get the cost down by a penny. And it's for merchants that can do both of those that we think end up having sustainable advantages. And, and they're the retailers that will see their business grow 10x over a couple of years. So when I think about the size, so my I bought, I found this tiny business on acquire.com that I bought for my 16-year-old son. Um, and we paid $10,000 for this business. It did $6,000 last year. It's powered by Shopify. So you guys are, are the pipes. Um, but logistics, it's all print-on-demand, shipped through parcel companies, through your logistics network. Logistics is not a priority or a concern for that small business. It it works. Like, you know, this is a very small volume business. I imagine there's an inflection point in the size and scale of a company and the products that they're producing where it does become a priority. Is that just... Am I, am I thinking about that correctly? The size and scale matter in terms of the priority that companies put on this? Or do you see very early companies thinking a lot about the logistics network? Yeah, like I, I think you're accurately describing the traditional definition of logistics for independent merchants. You know, merchants will say, okay, when I've got zero sales a day, my primary job is to figure out how to get one sale or two sale a day. So like, what does the product look like? What should the pricing look like? What should I, my marketing plan look like? Uh, and so typically you get to a merchant where they're having a certain amount of scale in terms of average daily orders where they say, all right, now this thing is just a pain in my ass. Like I'm having to spend multiple hours a day going into my back room or my garage or my basement or, you know, the building next door, put together orders like make sure the barcodes are right, make sure the inventory is right. Hopefully I buy the cheapest label I can, but I don't even know if the pricing I'm getting makes sense. And they just try to get stuff in trucks. And and eventually people get either tired of that work 
or a little bit embarrassed that they don't do it very well, and then they look to outsource. Um, but I think what we're finding is more modern merchants are saying, what if I never had to do that from the beginning? Like, what if that's a skill I never had to learn? What if that's, you know, square footage in my place I never had to pay for? What if it's a, sign, a bunch of agreements I never have to sign? What if it's carrier deals I never have to go uh, and, you know, look up pricing for? What if it's drop-offs I never have to do? Imagine all this time I could then reinvest to those core parts of my product and my business where I actually can add value. And so I think we're definitely seeing an emerging trend uh, inside Shopify where merchants with zero orders a day, one order a day, two orders a day are outsourcing their logistics and fulfillment very, very early. You know, a, a cool example is Greenery Unlimited. Uh, Greenery Unlimited's uh, a merchant, maybe a little bit bigger than you and your and your sons. Um, and they build a lot of, I'd call them planting accessories. And they moved to SFN very early in their growth, maybe their first sale, I think, but I'm not 100% sure. And so they've moved from the very beginning. And what they've said is, they had no experience in supply chain. They still have no experience in supply chain and they never have to develop experience in supply chain. Yet, when you talk to their customers, their customers would say, it's one of the biggest reasons why I buy from this merchant over and over and over again. And if you think about how merchants compete on the internet in the next 10 years, what it will take to compete and win as a retailer will be very different. And we think what's happening is logistics and fulfillment is turning into something that buyers don't really have expectations. The buyers actually have set expectations and ambitious expectations, and a merchant has to figure out how to meet those from day one. So Aaron, the business I bought for my son has all of that set up, which is the reason it's not a stress. So it's all print-on-demand, shit through Shopify's network. It's incredible because he's 16 years old. He spends all of his time thinking about how do I acquire customers and then how do I design product? And that's pretty much all he has to think about. We send the orders through an API, you guys handle the rest. It's, it's actually made it so that the stuff that he can focus on is scaling the business. But we bought the business because all those pipes were there. We didn't have to go manually build them. The founder of the company did that. But it is, it is so amazing to look at him at 16 and you know me at 44 and how different the world was. I couldn't have started cold started an e-commerce business to and and not have to do all the manual work that you describe it's so turnkey imagine so think about your son's business right he's never had to go through the burden of figuring out logistics fulfillment because as a great coincidence his product happens to be print on demandable i might have just turned that into a verb or an adjective or something <laughs> but it's but that's exactly what it is right? right but most products aren't that case if if instead your son was making sneakers or your son was, uh, you know, making really cool high-end belts or fashion products, or your son was building planting accessories, like those things aren't print-on-demandable. And so what our job is, is to give all those superpowers to any merchant independent of what the product category happens to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so amazing seeing a business that just how turnkey everything is um, compared to when I tried to do some early internet stuff. And like you said, it was, it's much like you described. And I imagine what, I'm just curious, what is the percent of the merchants that are uh, currently taking advantage of the resources you guys have from your logistics network versus are still doing it in that sort of laborious manual uh, aspect of, of how they would traditionally do it? Yeah. It's, it's hard to, um, 
it's hard to know what the exact percentage is because there's so many merchants using different aspects of our platform. You know, some merchants use us for end to end. We call port to porch, whether it's like integrating their supply chain through Flexport and using our cross docking for distributing across all their channels, maybe doing long-term storage in some of our partner storage facilities, and then going into our shop promise direct to consumer network. But a lot of merchants just use individual parts and services. And then also we take a look at our technology and give it to lots of partners who actually use our technology for their own offerings as an open platform. So it's very difficult to know, you know, what percentage of merchants. What we do know is, you know, this is growing incredibly fast right now. The merchant interest and demand and outsourcing some or all of their supply chain is higher than ever. And we see that this is really hidden inflection point. Uh, and, you know, we think that this transition, this transformation is well underway in the industry. Now, the Shopify is known largely for really easy to set up DTC. My son's e-commerce business is a sort of typical case study for why Shopify really works. But you guys have really scaled into some of the larger high volume uh, e-commerce companies, uh, as well as uh, traditional brick and mortar and really empower uh, e-commerce solutions. What what of your network today, what is your sort of breakdown between larger scale brick and mortar businesses where e-commerce is a function or a feature of, of their business, their multi-channel versus sort of that traditional uh, e-commerce business that sort of organically grew out of it? Well, there's two ways to look at this. You can think about it as two axes. The first is what percentage of Shopify's business is large merchants versus small merchants. And of course, uh, small merchants represent the vast majority of our millions of merchants. And then if you look at the percentage of Shopify's GMV that comes from our plus merchant base, it goes up and up and up every quarter. Um, I think what's interesting is if you get the benefit of, of you know, participating in the Shopify economy for a few, several years, you realize that a lot of those big merchants started as small merchants. So it's just a matter of time as they start growing. I think the other thing that we're noticing really specifically in the logistics side is merchants are going multi-channel way earlier in their journey than they ever had. You know, it used to be uh, that a merchant who started on Shopify might start with an online store. Um, and then after a while, they might say, okay, how can I get better inventory turnover if I, you know, sell through a couple of retailers? They might then say, do I want to start doing some wholesale, some B2B? They eventually might say, how can I get my product in big box retail? And typically, by the time a merchant would be doing many of those things, they'd be one of those large, iconic Shopify Plus merchants that we all know and love. But what we are seeing, especially uh, not just COVID, but I'd say the last 12 months, last eight months, is merchants very early in their journey are becoming multi-channel merchants. And so what happens from a logistics perspective, you and I were talking about that person kind of in their basement or garage having to you know, uh, put labels on boxes. That's hard enough when you're fulfilling through one channel, but all of a sudden when you're fulfilling through multiple channels, you know, there might be different carrier requirements. There might be different labeling requirements, could be different pricing, could be different packaging. It effectively becomes impossible for a small merchant. And then a lot of merchants will then historically, when they were selling through one channel, they'd say, well, who's the right 3PL for that one channel? Or if the majority of my sales are in a marketplace, Walmart or Amazon or whatever it happens to be. How can I put inventory in the right fulfillment channel for that marketplace? But then all of a sudden, when they're selling through direct-to-consumer, various marketplaces, a few different retailers and wholesale, it's impossible for them to pick one of those solutions or all of those solutions at scale. 
And so merchants now are knocking doors really, really uh, at an alarmingly high rate saying, is there a single logistics platform that can work for all of my channels, even if I only have one or five or 10 sales a day? So Aaron, when I think about the sort of core of what drove Shopify or has driven the, the logistics network, a lot of it is technology and APIs integrated carriers. But my understanding is that you guys are starting to put some really brick and mortar infrastructure in place. Tell us a little bit about what that journey looks like. We manage an end-to-end network. And so with the Deliver acquisition, we bought Deliver for a bunch of great reasons. But one of them was Deliver had built a software platform that from a merchant perspective could connect their entire supply chain, but from an industry perspective could connect multiple participants within that open network. And so, you know, our belief is that the internet has created a level playing field for, you know, all kinds of aspects of, of retail but has completely forgotten the supply chain, or maybe the supply chain is completely forgotten it. And so what we're trying to do is to upgrade supply chain and upgrade logistics to fit in an internet world. And that's why the deliver uh, acquisition has been so important for us. But with that, what it means is on one layer, we can manage an end-to-end network. And sure, we, certainly we, we, we have some of our own buildings and we do you know, have some of our own trucks. But more than often than not, we actually invite industry leaders of whatever they happen to be doing at different stages of the supply chain and invite them to participate in this internet stack of logistics. And so that's transparent to a merchant. They might not realize that, you know, if they have some inventory in St. Louis versus Atlanta versus LA, it could be sitting in a different uh, 3PL because it's the Shopify fulfillment network. If they have inventory going last mile, in New York versus Atlanta, it might be a different last mile carrier, but effectively we stitch all that together. Now to your point, sometimes we do kind of, uh, you know, call our own number and we will go and have a building or a transportation lane, but we'll do that if we feel like from an R&D perspective, it helps us learn, helps us experiment, helps us try something out. Or if there comes a point where that just opens up a new scale unlock for our merchants, it's something we'll do. But I think if you assume 10 years out and you look at where we're at, our expectation is that the vast majority of all volume on our network will be supported by third parties. Now, Heron, I would imagine the mastery of your volume today is parcel uh, versus you're, you're not, how much freight are you moving that's not going through parcel uh, or even LTL for that matter? How much truckload, how much container are you doing? We do, we do plenty of FCL, uh, but the fastest growing, this is really fascinating. The fastest growing part of our business is pallet level movement of small merchants. And so, you know, we, we announced, uh, a couple months ago, the launch of our Flexport app with a partnership with Flexport. Flexport has a program that we've built with them where we can offer any merchant more or less just in time access to container ships going across the ocean where a merchant would typically have to pre-book, you know, uh, units of containers, uh, weeks, months ahead at set pricing, which just doesn't work for small merchants. They end up having to, you know, buy and order more than they need to, to be able to hit the minimum, which creates a bunch of kind of the, the negative flywheel aspects we're seeing right now. And so what between Flexport and Shopify, what we do is we pre-book that space. And then we just say, Hey, like every Wednesday, <laughs> there's going to be a ship leaving from, uh, you know, uh, Shenzhen to, uh, LA and your order of unit is a pallet. So, you know, as long as you show up with a pallet's worth of inventory, um, we'll give you a reasonable price and actually a much faster turnaround than you would. 
And then when that happens, it shows up, it goes straight to our cross stock. And then we have data that says, here's how much inventory we expect to go to uh, your B2B channel versus retail versus online store DTC network. We go and balance their inventory across the network for that. And then we turn on shop promise so that if a customer goes and clicks on, you know, a product page in their online store, we say, Hey, this person happens to be Atlanta. We can get it to you tomorrow. And that that's put right up front, which will impact the likelihood that they actually buy, which increases the conversion. And so our goal is to decrease, sorry, our goal is to decrease the amount of investment, both in terms of dollars and time that a small merchant has to put into the supply chain while still creating that magical opportunity at the end. I mean, I imagine imported or inbound freight, particularly for pride, raw materials or sourcing the materials that are then sold through the network. Uh, that works really well for the container market. When you think about truckload or starting to pull pallets for building full truckloads, that is a much more complicated and challenging uh, just the, the amount of volume that you would require on specific lanes. Are you doing any of that today? Yeah, we're doing a, a bunch of that. And so, you know, one of the... Um, formulas that Shopify has been able to replicate across a whole bunch of different layers of commerce and retail is take the aggregate volume of what is now millions of merchants at scale, but you know, it used to be thousands of merchants at scale, uh, use that aggregate volume to be able to kind of get front of the line of really good access, great capabilities in the case of freight, lots of different lanes. And then once you have that, invite the smallest merchant to participate in the same way that the largest merchant would. And so Shopify Payments is a great uh, digital metaphor for that. And Shopify Logistics is a, is, a, is a physical metaphor. And so when merchants go and give us all of their inventory in one of our cross stocks for all of their channels, we take all of that inventory and we'll balance it across the U.S. And sometimes it's big merchants who are giving us, you know, dozens and hundreds of pallets. And sometimes a small merchant who's giving us one pallet. We'll break that down use Shopify's data to really predict and decide where it should go across the U.S. And then we have trucks at bulk going, you know, every minute. So we think about what's next for Shopify's logistics network. Where is this going? Well, as I, as I said before, um, we think the world has changed. We think uh, every merchant is going to sell through multiple channels much earlier in the cycle than they ever have. We think buyers are going to expect and demand uh, delivery promises and branded delivery promises on every channel that they shop on. Uh, and we think that that's going to cause most merchants to choose to outsource their logistics very early in their scale to logistics platforms that can manage multiple channels uh, and multiple delivery promises, frankly. Um, we've learned through Shop Promise that, you know, a a well-built delivery promise can increase the conversion rate by 25%, let alone increase the cart size or increase repeat purchases. And so we think all of this is going to flip really quickly. And part of our uh, bet here that we're making, it's, 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 it's simply a bet, is that we can recreate kind of the internet or of logistics and we can have all kinds of partners at every single stage of supply chain fitting into an open network, participating in that network to create something very simple and performant for merchants. What is your message right now to your merchants that have seen this whiplash in not able to get capacity two years ago to now hearing or aware that, you know, pricing has collapsed, capacity is readily available. How are you advising them to think about uh, how sh should they negotiate pre strategies in this climate? 
I think they should raise their expectations as to what the industry can give them. Small merchants are, are, are already taking an incredible amount of risk on betting that they can create something new of value that the world hasn't seen and that the world doesn't know it needs. That's a crazy bet, like honestly. So retail is a crazy bet. Every small merchant, you know, I think about your son, you know, the, the odds of success sometimes feel really, really, really low. But I think the best thing that has happened in the internet age, and Shopify is a great example, but clearly not the only example, is there's lots of ways to leverage technology and scale to dramatically increase the odds of a merchant's success. And although if you Googled, you know, examples of that in logistics, you wouldn't see as many examples and shame on us uh, as an industry, I think all those examples exist and coming out now, right? So imagine for a small merchant that their inventory could always be perfectly placed for fast delivery, just using data that already exists on the internet. Imagine as a small merchant, they could grow from $2 to $2 billion in GMV without ever putting a label on a box once in their entire life. Imagine if they could have access to a 100% variable uh, state-of-the-art network where they could have his in inventory in one warehouse or five warehouses or 20 warehouses every single day, depending on where they expect that demand could be uh, with no upfront cost, without having to have a CapEx budget and get a line of credit. Uh, you know, imagine if you could sell your company for billions of dollars and have a single person managing your entire supply chain. All of those examples exist in Shopify today. Um, if a merchant knows where to look for it. And if you're a merchant who wants to be the next merchant to do any of those things, they're all available for that merchant today. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I've seen this experience living vicariously through my son. You know, we got in that business about $10,000 a month in revenue, a couple thousand dollars in, in profit. And you know, 16 years old, this is a really a part-time job. He works eight hours a week. And it's all because of that print-on-demand element of not having to have any ready inventory. And then the whole logistics is taken care of. All he's got to figure out is uh, customer acquisition and distribution of the uh, of the traffic to acquire the customers. Everything else is is just a volume and driving volume and driving margin. It's it's really not that difficult. It's so amazing how turnkey this stuff is today compared to what it was even five ten years ago. Yeah, like our this doesn't work well at the pan on a wall. It doesn't, the, the words aren't as compelling, but we often try to figure out how we could move all of commerce to just be passive income for someone where it's almost like they have another job. They have a full-time job. Uh, maybe they're a new parent. Uh, they want to make some extra money. They want to take a, a swing in life. Is there a way to line up all the different Shopify versions of everything so that this effectively is passive income? If you just have an idea and a little bit of ambition, can you have every single thing working in the background? And you think about your son's business, uh, you know, he has to work six, eight hours a week, which in a sense is an incredible hourly wage <laughs> for a teenager. You're making a couple of grand for like eight hours a week. And then, you know, he's thinking about this business. It's been really, he sort of gets a special benefit because I own a, an aviation magazine called Flying Magazine. And we're selling, we're basically selling, you know, these these cases of these, airplane maps uh, for pilots and it's all print on demand because there's 17,000 airports in the country and uh, it comes out so you get a cell phone case or a t-shirt or something with your local airport but it's been amazing because he's seen the power of having a distribution channel a media channel which is 
has a really connected, engaged audience and the power of all the backend infrastructure that exists that Shopify is a part of and helps, you know, that drives. And so it's just, it's fascinating because the stuff he's thinking about feels like MBA level stuff that I was just learning a couple of years ago about what's my customer acquisition cost? What's my LTV? How do I acquire new customers? How do I think about pricing? The stuff that really matters. And that's what's really driving the business, all the backend stuff, which is a really important stuff that we all live in, you know, in logistics is stuff that is turnkey. He doesn't have to worry about it. Yet there's experts working and worrying about it every day on his behalf. He just doesn't have to really know they exist. And he generally doesn't pay for them. It's just a percentage of his sale. And so what would be if he was doing it on his own, probably be the most annoying part of his business that actually was working uh, probably the, the weakest at the parts, all of a sudden is world-class for him. Yet he's just paying pennies or quarters in order, uh, which is a much better model for him. And then because of that, he can take all the risk. He can try things out. You know, some ideas will work well and really drive demand. Other ones probably will completely swing and miss and not drive other demand because he has confidence that these other services will be in the background ready for him uh, if by chance he needs it. And he still has to finish school and keep his grades up, which is the most important thing in the family. Otherwise, mom is not going to be happy with him. So uh, I'm encouraging his entrepreneurship thing. I'm thinking, you know, school is great, but so, but mom is not tolerating that. So he's got to, he's got to keep his grades up and run the side hustle, which is frankly doing pretty well for 16. Oh, that's awesome. And across the base of, you know, millions of Shopify merchants, we see every combination you can think of, of people who are doing this from day one as a side hustle. And then eventually what used to be 10% of their time becomes 30 or 50. And eventually they say, okay, I'm going to jump all in. And this is going to be where I'm, I'm trying to put all my focus. And again, from a Shopify perspective, our job is how can we give you all these unfair advantages to flatten the curve, to make it easier for you to make that jump and less risky for you because, you know, you don't have to become experts and you don't have to pay experts for all these different aspects of commerce and retail. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time. Hopefully we'll have you back. Uh, we actually have our future supply chain conference coming up in Cleveland, Ohio in June. Would love to have you on stage. Tell a little bit more about the Shopify story and how you guys are really uh, empowering those uh, uh, empowered e-commerce and making it easier and turnkey for merchants to get into the logistics game without having to have the infrastructure. Oh, it sounds great. That's a great time here to be in Cleveland. It is. That's why we picked June and not April. So, uh, good. Well, I really have enjoyed it today. Uh, and as well as you, please pick up your tickets for a future supply chain coming to Cleveland in June. <laughs>